Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about what the Fed may do as it comes under increasing pressure. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the wholesale lending partner with the support you want and the stability you need in today's market. No one is more committed to the TPO channel, and it's why at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services LLC Equal Housing Lender. NMLS ID 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah, it's been a crazy uh, few weeks here, but uh, I'm glad I'm here to talk about it. Well, I am glad to have you here. We are both at HousingWire Annual, which we've been telling our audience about uh, for a long time. And actually, a lot of them are here. We've gotten to meet a lot of people who enjoyed this podcast, wanted to meet you, wanted to talk about your economic work, which, of course, you're going to be doing a, an entire talk on here. But it's been a it's been a fun week to be here, but also, wow, a lot has happened since last time we did this recording. We were talking about the Fed's arrogance. So catch us up on where we are right now. Yes, you know, with... You know, last week we talked about how there was so much market dysfunction, the Bank of Japan, China, the UK situation, and the dollar was getting so strong that, you know, you know, countries around the world were complaining. And we're we're filming we're talking about this on on Tuesday. So, we've just had two really big uh stock market rallies. Uh, the 10-year yield as of this moment right now is about 3.61%. The dollar has gotten weaker uh, in the last two days. So what's occurring right now is that there's so much dysfunction around the world that people are saying, is this the Fed pivot? Is this where they basically admit, we were a bunch of arrogant, you know, and uh, yeah, we're not going to be so aggressive. So some of the things that have happened this week, which I, one of the funny things was that the United Nations is complaining about the central banks raising rates and creating a global recession, a coordinated global recession. Um, has that ever happened before? To your knowledge, has the UN said something about central banks? Most likely there probably has been the UN complaining about something. But I mean, this was this was a... I mean, this really was was predicated to the Federal Reserve in America because you know we we were on the show, um, and again the dollar is just simply too strong. The way the dollar has increased, you know, especially since May of 2021, it's 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 very noticeable, and the world doesn't ever like it, you know. So you know, so they complained. The Bank of Australia surprised the markets. They were looking for a, a bigger rate hike, and they only uh, hiked rates a quarter. And they said that there's too much uh, uh, global financial uh, uh, disorder, drama. You know, the world economies are slowing. Uh, China is dealing with a lot of issues. Uh, so is Japan. Europe is, in a sense, weakening toward a recession. The U.S. has this very strong domestic base of consumption that's keeping things afloat. So our, our dollar is getting stronger than normal. 
So the uh, things changed a lot because, you know, over the weekend, people were thinking credit, uh, credit Swiss was going to, you know, go under, uh, banks are in stress. Um, I kind of jokingly mocked my friends who are always doomsday people that, oh, I think we're going to survive Monday. Um, so we, we've had a big change. We'll see if there's any kind of follow through action with this. But uh, one thing that we have noticed in the last two days is the 10-year yield has fallen. The dollar has gotten weaker. Stocks have rallied. This could be a bear market rally in, in the economic cycle that hasn't officially hit a recession yet. But uh, one of the things that were more noticeable today is job openings data. So six recession red flags are up for me. Um, back tested going back to the 1960s. This has always worked. We want to be mindful of a recession when all flags are up. The leading economic index has fallen six months. That is a 100% positive correlation to a recession. Uh, And job openings and jobless claims are the last two uh, data lines that I'm just focusing on on the economic cycle part. And job openings fell 1 million. You know, uh, seven years ago, that would be a tremendously huge uh, uh, deal, but you know we've gone from 11 million to 10 million, and for those who who don't know, when I wrote the America's Back Recovery Model for uh, for Housing Wire on April 7th, 2020, one of the things that we're talking about in the work is that job openings should get to 10 million. So even though job openings have fallen, you know this is something the Federal Reserve wants to see. They want to see people making less money. Uh, they want to see the unemployment rate higher. They want people to lose their jobs. They want more pain for American citizens. So this is one step that in in a, in a positive life for them is to weaken the labor market so much that employers don't have to pay up for labor. So that happened as well. So we have a lot going on and we've had some very huge dynamic shifts. I mean, there's, I mean, we you know, we were talking about what bank's going to go under, the pension funds of the UK, you know, countries selling US, US treasuries, which make things worse. You know, so a lot has happened. And, you know, the Federal Reserve had a closed meeting. I know some people think it's an emergency meeting, but uh, it's a closed meeting that they ran, they, they routinely have throughout the year. You could categorize it as maybe an emergency meeting because of all the things that are going on. So they probably have discussed that. So the question is going out in the future. Does the Federal Reserve just say, I don't care about the world. That's your problem. We have to crush American households uh, because service inflation is too much. Rent inflation is is slowing down and uh, that'll pick up more next year on the CPI inflation data. Um, Of course, the growth rate of pricing is is cooling down noticeably. So the housing market is starting to see some uh, 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 inflationary growth levels falling. If job openings have fallen now uh, in, in a bigger fashion, we've gone from near 12 million to roughly around 10 million. Um, these are the things the Federal Reserve wants to see. And uh, the question is, is the market getting ahead of them? Uh, you already see some rate cuts priced in for next year. Uh, the last time this happened, the Federal Reserve went all out saying that, no, 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 we're gonna, we're not going to do this. There becomes a point where I think it becomes harder for them to talk like this, telling American citizens that they, you, we have to inflict so much pain on you. We don't care if you have kids. We don't care if you lost your job. Inflation is what we do. We have to break it. 
And the way we break it is we, we force higher unemployment rates so the labor pool opens up. And job openings falling actually uh, fits to their, with their model while they actually uh, really uh, look at that, even though hires and, and, and uh, layoffs aren't happening, the quits ratio uh, uh, slowing down is, is positive in their light. So, you know, we know that jobs is really key to, first of all, what the Fed is going to do, right? They've, they've said that's the thing they're looking at. It's also key to when you are going to say, yes, we're in a recession. So let's dig into that a little bit. They've outlined what they want to see in unemployment. Where does a million jobs put us on on what they're looking for as far as getting to a certain unemployment level? Well, the job openings falling from 11 million to 10 million doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have a job loss recession anytime soon. Jobless claims data, which is even more important than uh, job openings, uh, has been falling recently. So what's 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 occurring right now is is people are hoarding on to their labor as much as they can um, because they realize if they lose one, it's not that easy to get one back. So we're at the point to where I think when jobless claims start to rise noticeably, when job openings fall noticeably, there's your, you know, uh, ringing of the bell. Uh, uh, so we've had one data line that has fallen noticeably. So far, jobless claims under 300,000. Historically, we've never had a recession, uh, if that's the case. So to me, that's where I'm focusing at. Jobless claims increase, job openings falling, both together. Uh, rate of change, right? We're already seeing the rate of change of job openings. That data line is, is is getting weaker. The next thing is jobless claims. Everything else is kind of already checked off on my list, so I don't I don't even traditionally even bother with other data. It's it's how to read the labor market because once jobs are lost, that's it, right? There's your job loss recession. Um, of course, you, we have this in housing because, you know, production is down for housing, sales are down for housing, incomes are down for housing, jobs are down for housing. The U.S. economy itself is not in that position. But uh, I, th- I thought today's job openings data, even though some people might not put too much value on on this, uh, I, f- I feel like this is something the Federal Reserve wants to see uh, based on how they look at inflation or the best way to fight inflation. So to be clear, we are recording this on Tuesday, October 4th, because normally we do it the day before it goes live. But because you are speaking tomorrow uh, at our Housing Wire annual event, we are doing it two days before. So that's the that's the jobs data date that you're referencing. Um, what's the next data line that you're looking that you're going to look at? Well, Jobs Friday, uh, Jobs Friday is coming up. And um you know, it's so funny. We, we we really do have to label these dates because tomorrow, if the stock market fell a thousand points and the 10-year yield went up 20 basis points, you know, uh, some of this discussion might seem weird. But uh, Jobs Friday is coming up. Uh, and again, hourly wages, you know, what the headline number is. When jobless claims typically fall into a monthly report, it's, it's going to be a, a decent number. There's always two to three reports out of the year that are big whiffs. This historically happens. Uh, they've done some benchmark revisions on jobs, so we're definitely well above uh, um, pre-COVID levels. But we have to also think about it in this. You know, uh, if there was no COVID, we'd still be in the longest economic expansion, and most likely the total employment numbers would be uh, much higher than what we are today. So we're playing to a sense some catch up. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at the jobs report on Friday and seeing, you know, 
uh, any clues on the labor market because when right now when you're just focused on jobless claims and job openings, it's really all about labor at this point. And uh, one of the reasons why the Fed believes raising interest rates works is because the you know credit card interest payments go up, right? So you either have too much credit card you know uh, a balance on you where it hurts your incomes or you do not want to take as much debt on. Uh, with interest rates higher. So the Fed's, you know, head down, pushing higher interest rates, hoping that will uh, create the job loss recession they want uh, uh, so they can feel better or easier on controlling inflation. So you talked about how last time that we did the podcast, we were talking about, you know, will the will different central banks fall or, or at least will, um, you know, Credit Suisse, will that have a contagion effect? So what's the deal with that? Has that happened? Has that- no, I mean the, the the market's made a very very firm reversal, uh, and what has happened? The dollar has fallen, right? Uh, so uh, you get a lower dollar, you get lower bond yields. That's good for the economy. Again, the Federal Reserve is at the state where they need to inflict more pain on American citizens. Um, they're even talking about well, we might not even cut rates in a recession. So we're at that stage of this cycle, which might seem weird to people because a lot of people haven't dealt with inflation like this. So their talking points seem strange to some, but they they really believe that if they can inflict as much financial pain by higher interest rates and higher credit card charges and higher borrowing costs for businesses, that the labor market won't be tight anymore and employers don't have to fight for labor and wage growth will fall down. And people will lose their jobs, they'll lose their homes, they'll lose their rental leases. You know, these things are the things that the Federal Reserve wants. Uh, don't make any mistake about it. This is what they want. They talk about it. You know, they, they can't blatantly say it like I'm saying it right now, but this is code, right? Pain is basically that. We need a recession. We need you to lose your job. Stop spending. What's wrong with you people? We're just a body of certain people. Our lives are difficult because you're making more money. That's not good. So uh, we're at that stage. And I think the, the just focusing on the labor markets right now, but we clearly could see that um, the Bank of Australia has already said, hey, listen, the world economies are slowing down and the UN is saying stop raising rates and uh, uh, just one little whiff of maybe a pivot uh, sent the dollar down, sent the stock market rally and sent bond yields down. Give us some more information on that the global outlook. So in the past, you've always talked about Germany, Japan, um, and obviously China and Russia figure in this. EU is in the news. So you've talked about Australia. What are the other countries looking at, and and what? How does that affect us? Well, in, in generally, it's really you know Germany, Japan, the UK, China. Um, I mean, India has a big economy, but they're they're very young. They're at a, different development stage. Uh, but w- w- when I look at the world, I see China is a mess. <laughs> I see Europe in a recession because you have to realize they're they're at war with Russia right now. So Russia is holding back energy costs. So in a sense, uh, Vladimir Putin is playing the role of Federal Reserve by inflicting pain on the European consumer by you know forcing them to pay higher energy costs. Uh, that is a that is considered financial credit or financial markets tightening, you know, because you have to spend more of your money on just the basic needs. So uh, Japan is still so based on tourism, and tourism is nowhere back to where it used to be. 
Uh, of course, they still getting missiles being shot toward them that die in the Pacific Ocean by North Korea. That's a different topic. But uh, so the world economies are slowing down noticeably. You know, uh, I think just the U.S. has a very unique uh, historical power here just because so much of our economy is based on domestic consumption. Right. So a lot of our corporations make money overseas, uh, that that's true. And a stronger dollar uh, really impacts them. But here at home, it's just basically household formation, people making money, uh, uh, people have good balance sheets and they spend as long as they spend, the economy goes. So, uh, I just think worldwide, the, the global economies are slowing down in going into recession where the U S is the last man standing here. So, uh, eventually, if the Fed raises hot rates fast enough, hard enough, and they'll get their forecast. They they want a, they want an American job loss recession. They are very adamant about it. It's part of their forecast next year. Unemployment rates getting to four point four percent from a three and a half percent low. That is a recession. So uh, the world economy slowing down just you know doesn't just makes it harder in the sense to where the the Fed has to be a little bit more mindful on their rate hikes. Uh, as a lot of other countries are complaining about how aggressive the Fed is, maybe a slower moderation rate increases to get to where you want. Because we're we're almost done with all the rate hikes anyway. Uh, uh, if they were a little bit more clever, they would just take a slower approach, so you don't get market reactions like we saw last week. So we'll 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 take it one week at a time. But we got Jobs Friday coming up, which will which will be big. But again, the job openings data was probably the Federal Reserve people were smiling about that one. That's what they want. You've said all along that you feel like the Fed this time around is really more like you know a junkyard dog that that barks big and acts tough. But when you actually get close, it's going to lick your hand. It's going to let you go over because you feel like. They, you know, even though they're talking about, yes, we have to inflict pain and do all this, that um, they don't really, they don't really, they're not committed to it the way that they might be. So has that changed? Here's why I think that, you know, just last year they were talking about, well, we're never going to raise rates. Inflation is not an issue. So we're not going to, and now they've changed. And I I believe they feel very confident talking like this toward Wall Street because really they, they want, they want stocks down. They want they want less wealth. They want people to feel less wealthy, so they spend less. Um, so I think a lot of this kind of bravado talk from them, which a lot of people aren't used to, is just kind of to make sure that the their financial conditions don't get easier. And and this is a this is a good point for everyone to remember. When mortgage rates went from six and a quarter to five percent, and the stock market was rallying, financial conditions were getting. Easier. That's not what the Fed wants. The Fed wants to inflict pain, which means tighter financial conditions. So they all got together and said, listen, we have to talk down the economy. We can't have bond yields and mortgage rates go down. We can't have stocks go up. So they did that. I'll give them credit for that. But for right now, it just seems like they're really holding on to the labor market. Even though they know things are slowing, they admit things are slowing. They admit things are going into recession. I think once that turns, um, uh, so will they to a degree. So the question is, how do they manage this last phase of the rate hike cycle? So clearly, we're you know the Fed wants us to go into a recession. We are headed there. The the uh, many of the indicators are already showing that that's where we're going in the larger economy. What do you think when you look at it? And I've asked you this question before. You know, uh, when you look at all of the data and what we've done in the past. Once we go into recession, do you think that's going to be a quick recovery? Is there any way to tell that from here? Well, here, here's here's the thing with 
where we are right now, we don't have a lot of uh, consumer leverage. You know, the Great Financial Recession, there was a lot of deleveraging of debt that needed to occur uh, before the economy could move quickly. But also, uh, population growth for prime age labor force peaked in 2007 and uh, declined in 2008. So we were going to have a slower economy anyway. I, I I don't see how you could have a really bad recession unless you have like global supply chains blow out again and we just have raging inflation, not because you know demand's booming, it's because the supply is low. It's kind of like what's happening in Europe, right? The energy crisis there is a war, right? Uh, um, but here domestically, U.S. household balance sheets look great. See what 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 we have right now. What I, what I see on Twitter finance. I see a lot of stock traders making this mistake. Every year since 2012, consumer debt grows. And they always say, well, this is the end of the world because consumer debt's growing. Consumer debt always grows, right? In an expanding economy, you always have consumer debt grow. It's the quality of debt or how it's how the uh, 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 the debt profiles look like. And what's what's occurred is that people just keep on using the same line. And literally, the only recessionary thing we've had you know, since – post 2010 was COVID and that was very brief. So uh, the people with the highest incomes, uh, highest financial assets, highest education, uh, highest net worth, they also have the highest nominal consumer debt loads because of their mortgage, uh, they're, they're, they're homeowners. Uh, so the lower incomes uh, get stressed because the their, um, when interest rates rise, the, the debt cost increases and it takes more of their income away. Everyone else, the middle class and the upper middle class are fine in that sense. So I, I to have like a deep, really recession, you need that group to really be impacted. Uh, and it's, it's not the case. Uh, as you can see, housing already went into recession. And, you know, we're not losing, you know, 700,000 jobs a month now. Uh, uh, in fact, jobless claims are low. So it's a much different uh, type of recession. It's, it's a recession the Fed wants and they just want things to cool down. And I think... Once that happens, and then they start cutting rates, and you know things things will be back to normal, fine. But at this point, it's all about inflation. And again, a lot of this is just you know supply. Um, um, we're not really a country that can have record breaking demand or record growth or wage growth get out of out of hand. So, uh, like for shelter inflation, for rent, for, you know, we get more supply there. The growth rate of rent falls down, so CPI will fall down. So, I don't foresee a massive U.S. domestic consumption uh, recession because our household balance sheets look great. If you authentically know how to read data and you look at it, you're like, wow, this looks really solid. But again, when short-term interest rates rise, uh, credit card interest go up, everything else goes up, that takes a bite uh, eventually. So I think that's a uh, that's an inevitable thing that will come down the line, but it doesn't mean we're going to have a massively big painful deleverage uh recession uh, uh the balance sheets are just too good here in, in america other parts of the world different story especially in the emerging markets but here well, i think we're, we're good we'll, we'll we'll when in when the recession happens it shouldn't be too bad uh but again it also revolves around the federal reserve uh, uh most likely like it does traditionally is to cut rates uh, to stimulate demand, but uh, they've talked about this that you know, you know, they they're they're not comfortable right now saying they'll cut rates in recession. They really were focused on uh, getting inflation down. But again, we'll see how tough they are when people are losing jobs. 
because you to think about all these countries and people already complaining about the Fed hiking too much too fast. Imagine if we had a job loss recession and they're not cutting, right? So uh, this is why I don't I don't buy some of their bravado talk. Lots of pressure um, once things start start, you know, once people start um, losing jobs, things going south more often. And we cannot forget that we are heading into an election season, looking at midterms pretty soon. And then before we know it, we will be back in another presidential election cycle, which does have its effect on uh, Fed policy. Well, you you know, the, the interesting thing is energy prices have been coming down. But, you know, if people say that, you know, Energy prices come down for an election just for the incumbent to, you know, not not to deal with that. You know, we always have to be mindful of energy just because it's a war tool right now. Uh, OPEC can cut 2 million barrels, you know, something to to prop up prices. Um, so I think that that could that could be a story going into the election uh, if OPEC tries to really try to uh, hamper some of the uh, lower oil prices that we found recently. Um, so uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. Something that's on my mind, you know, uh, uh, with energy. But you know, if we look at some of the data in terms of traveling. Some of the driving data is starting to soften up a bit, and that's you know some of the context of the recent downdraft in uh, uh, oil prices. Is it too soon for me to say? Okay, we've had these rising rates, right? Rising mortgage rates, and at some point, maybe next summer, if they start to come down, then we could have a mini tiny refi boom of people who bought at these rates. I mean, the, the problem is there's just not a lot of people who are buying at these rates. So I'm not sure that it'll ever have that much well, of an effect. We're, we're going to have over 5 million total home sales this year. So I think the the latest numbers right now is like 23% of the country have rates under 3%. And, you know, another 40% on top of that is it's like rates between three to four percent. So a lot of people have already have low rates, but again, whenever if rates fall like one one and a half quarter percent, but they stay there for some time, you can get a refinance boom. Um, uh, you know, I, the mortgage backed security market is very stressed right now. But listen, bond yields go down. Guess what? Right? Uh, uh, you 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 can get some refinance activity as long as it stays there long enough. Uh, so, uh, we had that very quick drop in rates. It did stabilize some demand actually, uh, which is, you know, something I'm keeping in the back of my head. Um, you know, new home sales picked up a little bit because of that existing home sales firmed up just a little bit, you know, that was the most recent reports, but then rates shot up right back up. So it'll be interesting to see if rates, you know, I think we're six point six five right now. If rates get back down to 5% or a little bit lower than that, what the impact is on demand, but it has to stay there for some time. It can't, we, we, it's not a functioning housing market when rates go up and down so much so fast weekly. It just uh, it makes people feel uncomfortable, makes them uncomfortable for listing. You know, uh, So I think a, a calmer downtrend is more beneficial than just having rates drop down really fast and then shoot right back up. You know, And that's... And that's the thing about this this housing market. These part of these savagely unhealthy housing market is fifty two week range in rates is three percent to seven percent. Right? Not normal. We don't see that. Not normal. Yeah. So uh, it causes chaos. It causes financial markets to tighten. 
this is what the Federal Reserve wants, of course, but in, in this sense, uh, um, uh, breaking the housing inflation story is key in their mind. Okay, we, we have just a few minutes. Is there anything else that you want our audience to know or be uh, looking for? Just uh, kind of on the economic cycle front, really focus on um, uh, jobless claims and job openings. That was a that was a noticeable move on job openings, but you know the quit ratios in that data line. You know, uh, people quitting less is is just as important because that means they don't feel as confident leaving their work to go find work that pays more. So uh, uh, the quit ratio going out is something I keep an eye on. Jobless claims that come out every Thursday. We're under 300,000 historically. You know, you have to be over 300,000 and have jobs lost for a job loss recession, not gains. Uh, different labor dynamics because of the demographic shift. You know, baby boomers are leaving the workforce. Uh, so there, there's a lot of different things that that we all have to look on, not just economists or data analysts, but consumers as well. Uh, uh, and of course, you know, total inventory still in America is below 2019 levels. So And 2019 levels was the four-decade low before COVID. So we still are dealing with that issue with the housing market as well. We desperately still need inventory, no doubt about that. That would help everything. Yes, more choices is a better thing. Even if that means prices prices falling, more choices is always a good thing. Less choices is a bad thing because that means inflation could get out of hand. And that's what we saw in the housing market, um, uh, 2020, 2021. And you know, home prices are going to be up 7 10% this year because uh, of the growth rate of pricing early in the year before rates rose. And, uh, you know, that's not sustainable, not healthy. Uh, we just want people to have choices, buy a home, live in there, do the normal family thing, uh, uh, not uh, dealing with all this chaos. Logan, thank you so much for giving us this update. And of course, I will be speaking to you in a, in a few days too. And we will be talking about what happened on Jobs Friday at that point. So thanks for keeping us updated. Pleasure to be here, Sarah. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.